And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley. Hey, here's good news for Tuesday, haters. It's over. And it's Wednesday. Gary. Welcome to it. How are you? Yeah, but officially this means that the uh, uh, the presidential campaign has uh, has started. Yeah, here we are. Officially today, the first GOP debate. We'll get to that here uh, in uh, in a little bit. I was just sitting here wondering, though, uh, you know, the New York Times story the other day mm. talking about what was going on inside the Department of Justice. You had liberal media covering that, and because the New York Times did the story, yeah. nobody is screaming that it is a conservative hit job. Right. And if you look at it, that was extremely damaging to Merrick Garland. Yeah, yeah. And the Department of Justice saying that they and, – and, and to David Weiss, huge. They mm-hmm. weren't going to prosecute at all. Think about how big that story is coming from the New York Times, which – basically said David Weiss was just going to let him skip nothing. He wouldn't have to pay his back taxes. He wouldn't be charged with anything. They were just going to drop this thing. Yeah, and it, this isn't it, like, it, yeah, it's not, it, this isn't like November of 2028, years after it happened, and the New York Times comes around to doing this story. This is early on. The special prosecutor right. was just assigned, and we're just beginning, really, if you think of today, I guess. I don't know. Is it officially? But we're just beginning the 24 election season. The timing on this can't be denied. And, and so you look at that and you say, whoa. Uh, and, and we had talked about what was in the, the actual story, but just started thinking yesterday just how incredible it is because it's the New York Times who has run cover for this mm-hmm. administration and this Justice Department over and over and over again. And because I believe that they are not journalists but political activists, you have to wonder why. Then there was the story yesterday about the Washington Post columnist who has changed his mind in calling for Joe Biden to be fully investigated 
over Hunter's business dealings. In his latest uh, uh, column, this is Washington Post columnist Henry Olson wrote on Tuesday that he originally long dismissed stories regarding Hunter Biden, but recent (laughs) revelations have changed his mind. By the way, I am sober. Uh, There's more than enough evidence to merit a thorough investigation of President Biden's involvement in his son's business dealings, Olson argued. Well, welcome. <laughs> well, no, I mean, you, finally, you finally arrived in the fourth quarter. It, it, no, it, it really felt like, it, I think you and I talked about it the other day with the New York Post uh, story, or the New York uh, Times story, which the New York Post also carried. It was like, hey, look, we want to say welcome to the liberal media for jumping in on a story. Well over two years later. Why? Have they had enough of Biden? I think, they, is, I, I, think they're, I, I think a number of things. I think they're looking at the liability. Yesterday, the big explosion, did he fall asleep on the, you know, the, the, the social media explosion? Did he fall asleep uh, during the ceremony in, in uh, Hawaii? Um, and, and if you look at the C-SPAN video, he's not asleep, but there's something actually I think that's more telling about him. He looks kind of zoned out. He doesn't know what to do with his hands in that moment. He's looking around. Other people are crying. He's not crying. So he looks down in an effort clearly to, I guess, look emotional. And then he looks up. And when he looks up, he looks lost. I think they're looking at this saying he's a liability across the board. And if he wins, it's going to be horrific. And I think they're also looking at something else. It's a long time to November of 2024. Mm-hmm. This is only going to get worse. He's telling lies all the time. You ask him about the Hawaii fires, no comment. Then when he p- finally plans a trip, can you tell us about your trip? No. I think they're looking at him for the liability that he's always been and finally saying, this is, we've got to make the change now because if if we're going to swap the governor of California out with, you know, with Biden, that's going to have to happen now. So whatever recovery the party has to go through in order to get uh, Newsom on the ground so he can start campaigning needs to happen as soon as possible. I think it is about the election. Uh, I I think the, uh, you know, his cognitive abilities or or his pathological line is is all a part of it. I think that this, the fact that, you know, you have because when when you when you look at it, you had the New York Times in 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 a clear story that that isn't being argued that this isn't true. That everything that the whistleblowers have done, and we mentioned yesterday about, you know, Jamie Raskin, this just blows it out. of. It shows yeah. what a, what a, it shows he clearly lied that the whistleblowers were clearly right because you have the New York Times now and all conservative media agreeing that the Department of Justice, in essence, is corrupt mm-hmm. and that they would let Hunter Biden slide completely to the point of not even forcing him to pay his back taxes. Forget about, you know, the criminal charges. Yeah. They allowed him, Weiss was going to allow him to skate 
on not even paying his taxes. Right. They didn't even say, look, we're not Nobody gonna... gets that deal, right. ever. No, yeah, nobody gets that deal, and it was funny because some uh, it, it was uh, uh, some liberal prosecutor saying, oh, Hunter Biden's been treated horrible. No, no regular person oh would be gosh. treated like that. Are, Are you, you kidding, kidding me? me? And this is a guy who's a former federal prosecutor lying through his teeth. And if it, if, I'll, I'll, I'll have the audio coming up here in a little bit. It just popped into my well, head. Well, look, I, I mean, yesterday. the liberal media, if it weren't for the 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 whistleblowers, they wouldn't have acted. No. They would have done nothing without the whistleblowers' actions. That's the liberal media. So if you've been on the side of, oh, poor Hunter, or oh, poor Joe, he's just a loving father, you need to pull your head out, quite frankly. And look at what everybody now acknowledges. This is a total injustice, and we're not even starting yet on the actual investigation. We're talking about the handling of the investigation. Right. Because what, what this tells you, because you, you, the New York Times, they say, well, this is about Hunter. It might not, and I don't know if they've said that in the story, but uh, this, isn't, this isn't about Joe. It's only about Hunter. No, it's about Joe's. Uh, it's about Joe's Justice Department mm-hmm. not doing their job and trying to cover up crimes. And the New York Times is eventually going to have to say, well, the reason they did this is they knew where it was going to lead with Joe. Yeah. So they had to, you know, they had to do this. But I think the New York Times is doing it, number one. Because they don't want Biden to run, and they realize, as you said, that this is the time to do it. The other thing is they want to they want to cover for themselves. Hey, we broke the big story of yeah. the corruption, yeah. Yeah. and so the public that lives in the bubble of today will forget about how they covered That's, for this president for the last couple of years. Great point. Because how do you? We've been asking. How do you just wake up and start covering it like you haven't been covering it? Yes. Now, critical yeah. thinkers will pick it apart for what it is, and you just hit on it. You find something that nobody else had found yet. And that was the whole thing with Weiss, that they weren't going to uh, approach it. They weren't going to do anything on it until the whistleblowers, which, by the way, is a really good get for them. I'll take it. I'll take it. Of all the liberal media moves in recent years, that was a good one. That was one of the top in terms of actually doing at least some homework. Now, They're still not fully on board, but that was a big story, and that was a good, I don't know, do they use the word scoop anymore for those under the age of 90? Scoop was was when you had a story that nobody else had. Well, if the Department of Justice is corrupt with Hunter Biden, Mm -hmm. according to the New York Times, then the next logical thing people would say is, well, if they're corrupt there, are they corrupt going after Trump? Right. Are they corrupt going after Republicans? Right. Are they corrupt right. going after Catholics? Right. Are they corrupt going after parents? Right. If you're going to be that blatantly corrupt, and that's the thing that you and I talked about, is the fact that you know you look at the Department of Justice and Merrick Garland when he gets out there and gives his you know whether it was David Weiss is going to be the special uh, 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 counsel or whatever he does. It's almost blatant, as as I've said, please excuse my language here, but I think it, you need to say it this way. Screw you, America. Mm. We're corrupt. Yeah. Deal with it. Yeah. And and to me, it's been so blunt. And the New York Times, in their story, made it clear. 
that absolutely the Department of Justice is corrupt. Now, they may look at it and go, well, David Weiss, David Weiss, David Weiss, David Weiss, David Weiss. All of it needed the approval. And as we know, David Weiss didn't get to do it. Everything was being everything was being handled from above. Yeah. As we yeah. all know. Yeah. And then Merrick Garland appointing him as special counsel was basically, you know, taking your, you know, taking your hand, uh, lifting that finger up in the air to the American public and saying, to hell with you. We're corrupt. We're going to be so blatant and so blunt in our corruption where even the New York Times eventually a couple of weeks from now won't be able to ignore it. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's it. And that's it. And and maybe, you know, that had to have been I, I think you I think you hit it dead on. That had to have been the play. If we're going to cover this story, we better find something that nobody else has so far. And nobody else had that. And it was a big deal because it tells you it's not surprising to all of us who have, who have been paying attention, who haven't ignored no, it. not at all. But it certainly is an acknowledgement from the left media to say this whole thing stinks. They weren't even going to do anything about it until the whistleblowers came. And, and yep. you know, when you look at, but then, but then here's the point. It gives credibility to the IRS whistleblowers. Mm. Well, then the next thing is, well, the FBI whistleblowers and all the other whistleblowers that testified before Congress about what the Department of Justice is doing. If Merrick Garland and Weiss were involved in letting, wanting to let uh, Hunter Biden completely skate so it wouldn't lead to Joe... Well, then everything else that the other FBI whistleblowers are coming forward with saying, I, I couldn't sit in a school parking lot taking right. license plate right. numbers of parents who right. are upset right. about critical race theory being taught in the school and the radical transgender movement. Uh, you know, that's not the job of the FBI. It's it's the beginning of giving credibility to the from the left. Yes. To the FBI yes. whistleblowers. Yes. No, that's that's another great point. Because they typically would go in for the hit job. I know some people on the, you know, the, the a couple of Democrats tried to, you know, uh, tear it down or tear down the, you know, the process or whatever. Uh, what was it? Uh, who was it that called it uh, hearsay, you know, on, uh, you know, in a couple of months ago called the whole whistleblower thing. Well, that's just hearsay. No, you're not in a courtroom yet, man. That's not the way it works. Here's the, you know. That's the landscape of where we are. And think about it. The New York Times story was a direct broadside attack against Jamie Raskin yep. and Dan Goldman. Yep. Yep. It made, think about this, the New York Times article made fools out of them and clearly showed to the American public that their line, that they lied about the whistleblowers. Man, I'd love to see what kind of emails and, and responses they've gotten from their subscribers at the New York Times on that. I'm sure there was some hate mail, but I wonder how many people had their eyes open to this whole thing because they had closed their eyes and put their blinders on and chose not to look at it and followed the same uh, uh, talking points that everybody else had. And that was he's just a loving father and Hunter's just a crack addict. You know, this is. 
it, it, it is a bright point when the liberal media, who has been part of the the culture wars in America in, in recent years, they've been a massive part of it. The whole Russian hoax thing on uh, against Trump. They carried all of the water, all of it. If it weren't for them, they didn't even, Adam Schiff couldn't even keep that thing alive without the liberal media carrying the water on it. And for them to do this story on Hunter. Yeah. And not go after the whistleblowers, but instead actually give them credibility. Yep. Is a big deal. Because that's an attack at the Democrat leadership. Oh, yeah. That and, was, and the DOJ. That was trying to... Well, yeah, yeah I mean, the, the DOJ, of course, but I think in addition yeah. to it, yeah. because when you actually think about it, because all of a sudden Raskin and Goldman have been quiet the last few they days. They haven't said a thing. Nope. Now, they'll be back again. Sure. They'll, yeah. they'll still be back again because they're political activists, so they don't care if they're embarrassed or mm-hmm. get burned, even by the liberal media, for being liars. Right. They'll be back. They don't care because that's what they do. They're political activists. We got a great show ahead, 86690-RED-EYE. How much do you know about synthetic oil? Heavy-duty trucks have been running on traditional mineral oil for the last 100 years. But today's technology brings us other options to consider. Synthetic is better quality. Unlike conventional oil, synthetic oils have a consistent molecular structure, giving it the ability to support pressures from higher horsepower engines, especially at lower RPMs. It also allows oil to reduce friction in an engine, controlling temperatures and improving fuel economy. Lastly, they're cleaner. Synthetics pick up fewer contaminants as they do their job of lubrication. They also have a better oxidation stability, resulting in an overall cleaner engine. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed. Brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. Bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen.
It's Friday Radio. He is Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Uh, well, we did find out uh, that uh, where, where the inspector general has been, at least yesterday, mm, yeah, uh, on the the in, entire thing, when he, uh, the Republicans writing him back after he wrote them a letter, basically saying, I can't do anything because it's an ongoing investigation. You and I had talked about that before, that because it's an you know they can make the you know the excuse that it's always an ongoing investigation right right and therefore uh you know we can't tell you anything and we'll get to that coming up here what the republicans wrote back to him uh stating we're not we're not asking you about the investigation we're asking you basically about the people conducting the investigation right that's what you need right. to be looking at right it's not about and it's like he's trying to make the case well I can't get involved in it because the investigation is 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 going on well, then the inspector general is useless in that case. Uh, if you're talking about all they have to do is say, sorry, we're doing an investigation on something that they clearly, as we now know from the left and the right, mm-hmm. because the New York Times uh, agrees exactly with the conservative media that the Department of Justice wanted to allow Hunter Biden to skate free. Mm-hmm. Without anything. Right. Until the whistleblowers came along. Right. And then it was like, okay, we've got to charge him with something misdemeanors here. And then that got blown out of the water by the judge like that. Think about how quick that was. Think about the run-up to that, Eric. And, and well, you know, it's probably going to go go right through and it'll be no problem. It'll be rubber stamped. And it was like, that, that thing didn't get, it really didn't get five minutes into it. And the whole thing was, you know, blew up. The right. whole deal blew up like right. that. Yeah. Just and, totally imploded. And the IG saying, well, I can't investigate that because they're continuing the investigation because they got caught <laughs> not doing the investigation. <laughs> right. You're listening to Red Eye Radio. From the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Hurley and I'm Gary McNamara. I just, I, I love this story here. Just uh, the Blue State Democrats propose handing out unemployment benefits to workers on strike. A group of California Democrats are expected to propose handing out unemployment benefits to striking workers. Language expected to be released in the coming days or weeks to provide striking workers with benefits from California's unemployment insurance program that is $18 billion in debt. The move comes amid historic strikes. Think about this. Hollywood goes on strike, and now Democrats wish to bail out Hollywood. Yeah. (laughs) It would allow individuals on strike who are not looking for work and were not let go uh, through no fault of their own, claim unemployment insurance if they were truly unemployed, uh, said California Chamber of Commerce policy advocate uh, Rob Moutry, who uh, opposes the legislation. Striking people are not the same as people who truly have been let go and have no idea where their next paycheck will come from. But someone on strike knows where their job is. Moutry said labor advocates are capitalizing on the strike to push this policy proposal that they hope to push through for years. Here's the problem. 
you know, you're, the federal government, uh, you know, the federal government gets involved, like, with emergency unemployment and things like that. Mm. If California wishes to do it, fine, but there can't be any federal funds that go into it. If that's what California wishes to do. If California wishes just to go completely and totally bankrupt, that's up to the state of California, as long as no federal funds ever is involved in that. If that's what the legislature wishes to do, well, then, you know, that's up to California, as long as there's no federal funds. Yeah, you know, the great concern would be for all of us, you know, down the road, all of us who actually think beyond the bubble of today, would be the fact that they drain their their coffers and then all of a sudden years later and not too many years they go to the federal government and say hey we're broke we need a bailout um look i guess the people of california can decide if they want to give uh, striking workers unemployment benefits all right let them do their little state experiment on that great I, my question would be, for how long? I mean, that's a great point. Because, you know, I know they'll come back and say, well, this is going to be temporary, but at least it will help, and it could be, you know, whatever, six months. I don't know. I I don't know how long the strike goes on, but if it goes on for six months, when people, by the way, has anybody even noticed <laughs> the strike yet? We're all missing the late night shows. I have a friend who's fresh. New I have light. a friend who's on the picket lines, and you know he's getting older. He's he's already maxed out his union benefits. Uh, he did years ago, so his retirement benefits are going to be the same. He could he could they could go back to work tomorrow, and he could work for another ten years, fifteen years. Mm-hmm. And he still can't get any more from retirement and, and health care than he's already going to get. I'm not saying he doesn't care about the strike. He actually, he actually does care very much about the strike. Uh, but, you know, he's part of another division. He's not one of the actors or writers. Uh, he's, he's part of another group that he says has been ignored and not getting their, their uh, uh, what, what they deserve to get from the movie studios. But he's been on that kick for a long time. But, the, you know, the if, this, if the state wants to start handing out unemployment money. Now, I've never collected unemployment. Uh, members of my family have. Uh, knock on simulated wood grain plastic. I, um, I think in our state, it has to be like, you know, if you're fired for cause, I don't think you can collect unemployment. There, are, You know, there are certain rules regarding that unemployment, but. You know, I don't know what the rules are in California. I guess they can change the rules if they want to. Now, here's something I didn't know. This didn't get a lot of news. Uh, you had, uh, let me see, um, the last thing California needs is more ways of paying people not to work, said Representative Kevin Kiley. Uh, our state currently has the second highest unemployment in the nation and is last in the country in wage growth. The California Republican added that his home state, so badly bungled the management of the unemployment system that it took out a nearly $20 billion loan from the federal government and then defaulted on it. Billions of fraudulent unemployment claims uh, were taken out uh, in California during COVID-19, according to California uh, officials. The unemployment legislation is expected to be introduced by 
Senate Appropriations Chairman uh, Anthony uh, Portatino and co-authored by another Democrat Assembly member reported uh, Politico. Hmm. Well, if you're in, where does the money come from if you're already in? Is the $18 billion in debt, is that what you owe the federal government? And is the federal government going to collect on it? And shouldn't the federal government have, before you come up with anything else, have first dibs on that money? Yeah. One would think. You would think. I'm just looking to see uh, the the California defaults. Uh, Let me just see here. Um, like there it is. California defaults on $18.5 billion in debt, leaving state businesses holding the bag. Hmm. This is a Hoover institution. And this is from April 11th of, of this year. Little did California businesses know that they were co-signers on the state's nearly $20 billion loan from the federal government that was used to cover California's unemployment fund shortfall during COVID-19 The ugly truth became apparent when the state recently decided to stop making payments on this loan. Hmm. Uh, What makes this default even more egregious is that the Stone Age era uh, IT system of the state's uh, Employment and Development Department opened the floodgates to bad actors, permitting more than $30 billion in fraudulent unemployment claims during the pandemic. Those receiving fraudulent payments included incarcerated felons, a person impersonating a one-year-old, and a person impersonating Senator Dianne Feinstein. A single residential address received checks for around 60 separate individuals filing uh, from uh, that uh, that uh, address. Uh, with the an unpaid federal unemployment insurance loan, the federal government then raises the employment insurance tax immediately by 0.3% on each business within the state, and an additional 0.3% each year after that until the loan is fully repaid. The normal federal uh, unemployment tax rate is 0.6% per year, which means that California businesses will be paying several multiples of the normal federal tax rate before the loan is retired. The state's legislative analyst office predicts that repaying the loan through higher taxes on businesses is not expected until 2029 or 2030, and note that retiring the debt could take longer depending on the state's economic performance. A recession would almost certainly delay repayment, and the odds of a recession you know, over the next seven years are significant. The state's decision to default is inexcusable. California recorded a nearly $100 billion state budget surplus last year thanks to the, st- the state's top earners that could have been used to repay the debt. The state received $27 billion in federal COVID aid that it could have used to repay the debt. The state's record $300 billion plus 22-23 budget could have, been, could have retired the debt. Even after defaulting, the state could have resumed its payments this year and offset the tax burden on businesses as it planned to do in the 2023-2024 budget. But as the state's finances continue to decline, the state has walked back making payments or offsetting higher business federal unemployment insurance taxes. So what they said was, we're not going to pay it out of the general fund. We're not going to pay it out of the surplus that they had at one point. That's Mm -hmm. gone. The Mm -hmm. surplus is gone. We're not going to do that. We're simply going to default on the payment. And when we default on it, well, then the way that it goes is that we simply tax businesses. We can continue our spending. We continue to increase taxes 
and the federal government, you know, or, or the federal government would just tax the businesses until the loan is paid off. So we can default. We still have to pay, but we're not going to pay. It won't affect our budget because the money will come directly from businesses to the federal government. Right. Wow. Man, imagine the private sector getting away with that kind of scam. 22 states received federal unemployment loans during the pandemic, and California is just one of the four states that has not repaid the debt. At the end of last year, California owed nearly two-thirds of the outstanding $27.5 billion federal unemployment insurance debt among those four states. Hey, do we want to take a guess at the other three states? <laughs> take a guess. You don't have the, I have it right here. Okay. Illinois? Yes. New York? Yes. One more. Well, the last one is in Florida. Nope. Not Texas. Not Florida. Oregon? Connecticut. Ah. Uh, I was going to say, I, I yeah. don't hear a lot of the deadbeat stuff around Oregon, but I just thought yeah. Portland is in such horrible <laughs> state. Maybe they just gave up on everything. Yeah, the other states with unpaid debt are New York, Illinois, and Connecticut, all of which are high-tax and high-spending uh, states that are losing population to other states. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you think about that, Connecticut doesn't, quite frankly, just by the numbers, doesn't have much of a population in terms of losing population to other states. Um, But New York and California, I mean, it's just, it is floodgates out of those two states especially. What did did we say? They've lost a trillion dollars each? Uh, California, New York, yeah, the story yesterday was a trillion dollars each in in assets of yeah. funds that were controlled. So right. technically yeah. they didn't lose it like in like revenue. In, it wasn't in revenue, revenue but, no, but yeah. they they lost those those assets have have moved away from California and uh New York. It's insane. I know. And that's you know that you and I've had long conversations that I think we're going to see like never before. Uh and I think COVID was probably the last straw. Mm. You know, you talked about the company of somebody you know that was going to do some investments in California. Mm-hmm. And after actually examining it, said, we can't do this. The accounting department came back and said, this is what you're going to be dealing with within five years. Right. You're going to be you're going to want to leave. You're going to and, have to leave because you're not going to be able to make a profit. And so you wonder what's going to happen, because I think businesses now have come to the decision. You know, we and, and and again, we've talked about businesses have seen the abstract finally hit reality. Mm. And they're like, we can't, you know, what's the, why would you start a business long term in California? When you can say, let's go to Texas. Unless it's U-Haul. I don't know why you would do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's sad because, I mean, look, there's, you know, there's a lot of, there's, there's a, you know, a, California is a part of the United States. I've said, and I love yeah, United States citizens. I've, I've and, said it for a and, long time. And and California not doing well uh, hurts you know, us all. It it hurts us all. There is no, you know, there there can be a benefit of getting new businesses, but if California fails and New York fails and Illinois fails, it does slow down economic growth overall. I've traveled to know, California so many States. times, and you know about New York, of course, being yeah. from New York. But I've I've traveled to California so many times, and I've said it over the years. 
it's such a, a first of all, a beautiful state. I mean, it's just amazing. But beyond that, the resources and the productivity of the individuals. If you think of the makeup, of the productivity of the individuals, the talent pool in California alone, it's staggering. Without the government restrictions, the state government restrictions in California, I don't know what our economy would be like. And I love Illinois. I lived in Illinois. You know, yeah. I work. I work yeah. in Rockford right. uh, and yep. and in Chicago. I work for our great affiliate WLS and and then uh, in Chicago and WROK in Rockford. Yeah, I loved right. living there. I absolutely right. loved living there. I love that state. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because if I ever fly into Chicago. When you're in radio, you lived in so many places where you have more in your mind. There's places where you feel comfortable like it's home. Right. Whenever I'm landing in Chicago, it's like, ah, home. Yeah. You know, the same thing. And I haven't lived in Oregon in the longest also time. Also a beautiful but, state, by the way. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. when I land there or, or uh, you know, anywhere in, in like in Florida where I used mm-hmm. to work in Florida, mm-hmm. it's like I land. It's like, okay, I'm home. Yeah. Right. And I always get that feeling. So I love Illinois. Mm. And uh, I love, I love uh, you know, Western New York where I grew up. Mm. Eight six six ninety red eye We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. What do you think? Uh, Do you think the Democrats, uh, Eric, will come up with uh, an idea that we should uh, be paying the college loans of all the uh, Hollywood writers and uh, actors on strike? Yeah, I think uh, not just the college loans, because I don't think they're worried about college. I think we're going to be paying the multi-million dollar mortgage loans for them you know because listen it's hard to live in a small house how about subsidizing woke films taxpayer subsidizing of woke films oh i thought we were already i thought we were already doing that i'm sorry did i miss something top of the hour news is brought to you by house products visit houseproducts.com this is red eye radio on westwood one What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. Good morning. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. Listen when and where you choose. If you can't listen live overnight. Uh, well, you and I have been talking about the story that was out the other day about $1 trillion in financial assets being moved out uh, in the uh, you know recent past from both California and uh, New York. And I uh, happened to see this yesterday on Fox Business, Larry Kudlow, talking with economist Steve Moore about this and sort of making a lot of the same points that 
that we have when you look at the population, when you look at the population of these states that are moving out, when you look at the fact that you have billionaires that are moving out, and because you have tax systems in these states that take so much out of, you know, out of the billionaires that are there, Mm -hmm. uh, that when they move, it has even a a bigger effect than just average people moving out. But you've got both moving out. You've got regular people that can't afford to live there and then billionaires that can live wherever they want saying, why am I paying? Think about this. If you were a billionaire, I'd be gone paying 13% more. Yeah, no. 13%? No. no. If you're a billionaire, 13% and not, and then they're talking about a, a uh, you know, uh, a uh, uh, wealth tax. Yeah, no. I'm gone. Yeah, I'm gone now. I'm not waiting around. And then you look at companies, and this is the thing that we looked at that that, that we have looked at, and uh, we both talked about this. Uh, in my head, I always hear you saying it that you're not going to have California become Republican next week, next year, in five years. And in all likelihood, not 10 years. So if you're a company that is in California, you don't see where you say, well, we might be able to flip to a more Republican state and become more business friendly. Mm-hmm. You don't see that in your in the future. Any long-term plans, which is long-term capital investment in an Illinois, in New York, in a California where you're saying, okay, we want to move to a state that has a large population, therefore a diverse workforce. And so you look at some of the bigger states if you're a major company, and that would naturally be Florida, Texas, California. Or, you know, not that you can't find it in big metropolitan areas. You can, but if you look at all the big metropolitan areas in the United States, they're all Democrat. Mm-hmm. And you look at it and you say, well, they're not going to change anytime soon. And so even though we believe, you know, short term, we might be able to make money. Long term, we, we, we can't, we just can't do it. And so we've asked that question, will we, like we've never seen before, see huge population gains in states like Florida and Texas and Texas can absorb, I was reading the other day about how they expect, you know, we, we talk about, you know, how um, Dallas-Fort Worth is expanding. And in the county that I live in, Tarrant County, Fort Worth, is the fastest growing place in America right now. Mm-hmm. You may have other, you know, and, and Dallas-Fort Worth probably is number one in numbers. Maybe not percentage, because a lot of them go by percentage. And so Austin is viewed as a, you know, as a great place. But if you look at Austin right now, if you look at the mess the police department is in right now. Well, you now, got the police chief that's that's uh, retiring. He's stepping yep. down. They can't keep uh, any police on the force because, what did they say, 800 police officers in the last uh, year or two that have just, that are just gone. Yeah. Might as well go to a, a suburb. I'm going to work in a suburb where it's less dangerous. I'll get my training. I'll get my experience for a couple of years, 
and I'll move out to where it's less dangerous and it pays more. And and so you you look at it and it's you just you wonder what is the situation going to be like and and COVID again you know multiplied it and and we may be dealing with it again. I saw the one uh, it was a college in Atlanta and uh, what in, in Hollywood right now. I mean whoever's going to work you know everybody needs to mask up. Well, we're we going to have a repeat of of all this again. Uh, and so you see that. You know, COVID changed our society in so many different ways, and it did give the recognition of what liberals are willing to do, and not only what liberals are willing to do to lock down a society, Mm. but they will not only lock down a society and keep you from doing the things that you wish to do, but then they'll cover up the truth. They'll censor the truth. They'll censor ideas. And we know what they wish to do when it comes to money. Think about it. You know, California talking about putting the wealth tax in and then uh, punishing you if you move to another state. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that if no, we're going to get your wealth. And if you move, we're still going to get your wealth yeah. for years after that. Well, you're just saying, please leave the state. And so they were having the discussion yesterday. I want to play what uh, Steve Moore uh, had to say about that story mm. of the trillion dollars in assets leaving both California and uh, New York. Mm. Uh, this story of a trillion dollars that has migrated out of California and New York is a, is a whale of a story. And it's really the story of what's happened in America over the last 10 years is this massive migration of people and wealth and, 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 uh, and jobs, too, uh, Larry, out of those cities. Now, New York, you worked on Wall Street. You know, that's where you really made your name, Larry. I, one thing I could never understand about uh, Wall Street is how is it that a city that is the financial capital of the world, why would they have the highest dividend tax, the highest capital gains tax, the highest corporate tax in the country and virtually in the world? It would be like Idaho putting a special tax on potatoes. I mean, it just none of this makes any sense. And so you see this migration uh, that is hurting these states so terribly. You mentioned my home state of Illinois, which I love. I love Chicago. You know Ken Griffin, who was the uh, CEO of Citadel Capital. He moved out of, of Chicago and moved to uh, Florida. And to uh, Liz's point, it wasn't just the taxes, which are that very high in Chicago. Liz, he said he moved out because he didn't think his, his workers were safe right. to go to work in Chicago. So there are so many problems in these blue cities. And if they don't turn it around, these blue states and blue cities are going to become Well, deserts. but the time has passed. Wow. And they uh, said they don't turn it around, but I think and I think let, let's play Larry Cutledge. Okay. I think it's just the time has passed. All right. I mean, I think the time has passed. They're moving. Maybe they're moving, and they're not going to move back in the next year. These are yeah. long-term commitments, Liz. By the way, can- so there you go. By the way, Idaho does have a special tax on potatoes. Do they? <laughs> it's twelve and a half cents per. 100 pounds. True story. Sorry. I hate to deflate something, a really solid point, but that's how stupid things have gotten. The Idaho Potato Commission is a state agency with many responsibilities, including the promotion of Idaho potatoes. The commission is funded by a tax levied on all Idaho-grown potatoes. 
It is currently set at 12 and a half cents for every 100 pounds of potatoes. <laughs> Stupid tater tots. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and the thing is as because i you know i i i do i've i've lived all over the country and i do worry about what's going to happen to people because mm. of the policies but it's many of the policies and i know when, when i'm and i know i know there are many you know you get outside of of new york or you get out of the 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 cities for example in new york look at the number of red counties you know, the rural counties. And so you've got great conservatives in New York. You have great conservatives in California. You have great conservatives in Illinois. I'm talking about the the, the people that are looking at what's going on in their state. And they're just like, you know, but I've always lived here. My family's lived here, you know, and, and you know, met people in, in you know, small and medium-sized towns that don't want to move. And the realization is, you know, we're going to have to. And I I feel bad, and I look at this, and after COVID especially, when we've seen what is happening with the population shift. I was watching a, a something on YouTube yesterday that was talking about the cities that are losing population. Hmm. Los Angeles, between 2020 and 2022, I was blown yeah. away by the yeah. number of people oh, yeah. that have left Los Angeles. It's right. just like, whoa. And and, and somehow and traffic is getting worse. Yeah. <laughs> and they're talking about the, you know, they're talking about the metro, the, yeah. the whole metro area. Mm-hmm. And and I worry. I mean, I I'm I'm concerned about it. And then I'm like, well, why am I concerned about it? California doesn't care. The politicians don't care. The people are still going to elect the same politicians. Okay, I guess I can still feel bad, but I'm not going to feel too bad because they keep asking for it. It's the old Animal House Kevin Bacon. Thank you, sir. May I have another? I I just don't want Democrats moving to Texas. That's that's my only concern. (laughs) Go to Florida. Keep going. Keep going. Um, no, that's um, <laughs> yeah. Go to Florida. It's like yeah, the Florida's weather is that way. The weather is much nicer in Florida. That's Democrats. right. Yes, and don't believe all the hype about all the Gators. It's not true. It's a myth. Um, but <laughs> not true. You might want to keep your dog. Inside. Don't worry. They only attack Democrats. That's right. And keep your dog inside. Um, but <laughs> seriously, keep your dog inside. Um, those are the you know when you look at it though, it it really is. The, the resources, both human resources <laughs> and and natural resources of um, not that humans aren't natural. There are some people in Hollywood that aren't natural. Let's let's face it. But those resources, tremendous resources in the state of California. Imagine deregulation. Imagine how productive that state could be. And we talked earlier, Illinois, New York. How productive these states could be. What a massive, massive, massive economy the U.S. would have. But I mean, you wouldn't be able to keep people out of those states if that were the case. What if wealth were expanding in those states? True expansion of wealth in those states. You wouldn't be able to keep people out of it. And it would be mind-boggling the revenue of of how they could brag about how much money they have for this and that but that's the problem they get into that and they start they start doing what they start spending the money 
They start saying, well, what we need to do is we need to control it. What we need to do is, and then all of a sudden you have overregulation, and you're to the point of, well, we're going to regulate everything to death, and they've almost completed that task. And you think about where the insanity is greatest, where the insane liberalism exists, and it's in all of these major cities mm. in the liberal states. Not that there aren't Democrats, the you know, uh, cities outside of it. You know, you and I are talking about, you know, Austin. And we've often said liberals love Austin because they can live in capitalism, pure capitalism, and succeed and then pretend that they hate it and then throw in a ton of other liberal ideas, which still helps to destroy a community and doesn't make it as safe as it as it could be, mm-hmm. as we're seeing, for example, in 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 Austin, right, right, and right. some of the insanity in some of the major cities, even here in Texas, that are Democrat liberal run. But the fact is, you are much closer. It's much easier if you're a business in one of these liberal cities in Texas to move ten miles. Yeah. To the suburbs where sanity exists. Right. Yep. And you don't have to worry about crime. Right. And you still live in a state that, you know, believes in capitalism than it is to move a thousand miles. I mean, that's exactly what you that's exactly what you have. Um I live in a suburb that's I am point seven five miles, three quarters of a mile north of the Dallas city limit by design. I'm not living inside the city of Dallas because I've seen the city council over the years, even before I lived here. It's just absolutely crazy. And you can move out. You can move, of course, much further out. I mean, there are people that you and I both know. I mean, you travel roughly 30 minutes each way. You know, it's worth it if you've got, you know, I mean, you've got the, the scenic view. Uh, you've got a moat around your castle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm still only, by the way, the crow flies about four miles from Dallas. Right, it reaches it right, reaches right, out right, that right. reaches out uh, yep. you know that uh, uh, that far. And, but but I was I was going to make the point yeah. that that people will travel like we know people. I think you and I both know people that will go an hour and a half each way. They'll drive an hour and a half yeah. in the morning and an hour half and, and a half in the evening. You know, to get to and from work. Yeah, but in Dallas, during the day, that could be three miles. That could be. (laughs) Especially if you stop at the liquor store on your way to work. Um, You know, and and I I wondered, too, how much they thought, they really thought they were going to be able to, like, uh, legalization of marijuana. That they were really going to be able to tax their way, a a marijuana tax on, on recreational marijuana. They were going to be able to tax their way. To fiscal sanity. I wonder how many in government in states like, especially California, thought that that was going to be the case. Well, we know because we heard it here and were criticized by saying it wasn't going to happen. Yeah, I, I was always legalize it. Don't yeah. give it a special tax. When they yeah. legalized recreational use of potatoes in Idaho in 1937, <laughs> they were screaming the same thing. And my ancestors were screaming, no, don't tax them. And here we are, 12 and a half cents oh. per hundred pounds. Wait a minute, can't you get buzzed by... Taking a, oh no, that's bananas. Yeah, yeah. Don't smoke the peel of a of a potato. That's not a good idea. Eight six six ninety red eye. Surviving and thriving as an owner operator has just as much to do with managing costs as it does with generating revenue. Like the chief financial officer of any company, you have to be concerned about rising costs, especially without increases in revenue. 
Trying to reduce costs, let alone make sense of them, can be a complicated task. Understanding basic principles of operating costs can save you thousands of dollars a year. A penny saved could be $1,000 earned. Saving just one penny per mile over 100,000 miles driven annually will deliver $1,000 to the bottom line at the end of the year. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella with advanced synthetic technology. For more information, go to OverdriveOnline.com to the Overdrive's Partners in Business section of the website for more detail on Business 101 and many other topics. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Hurley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. So uh, we have the debate tonight. Uh, Larry Elder, not a part of it. Mm. Uh, he's suing the RNC, saying he has fulfilled the qualifications. Mm. Uh, but uh, yeah. seven candidates will be up on the uh, the, the the stage. Um, look for primary debates like this. You know, I understand that the Republicans want to put it on. I don't need to watch a debate. I right. know where they all stand. Yep. Yeah, sure. You know, to to me, and I really wonder. Uh, you know, they they all are basically they all basically have you know they all share ninety percent of the same things. Yeah. Now, yeah. you know, I look at uh, I look at a a Christie and say nope because anybody who would actually say that uh, uh, Mr. Ray of the FBI that he would reappoint done a wonderful job. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Christie, who claims to be blunt and tell the truth, is absolutely delusional yeah. on that one. We'll continue coming up. branch of government, Eric Harley and Gary McNamara on Red Eye Radio. And he's Eric, I'm Gary. Good morning. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. Listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. Yeah, so for for me, I, I, I basically know where everybody stands, but you never know. I always look for in a debate when somebody's going to say something stupid. Stupid, let me say that again here, mm-hmm. as I had a little hiccup there. Mm-hmm. Um... And you look at it, for example, you look at, uh, uh, I'll, I'll pick out uh, uh, three things that just come top of mind. Christie, Chris Christie talking about uh, Mr. Ray from the FBI and that, you know, he's doing a great job and he would keep him as FBI director. It shows a, to me, it's almost as if, if, if there, if the Justice Department is working against Trump, he's going to be for it. That's the impression you get. 
because you can't look at this Department of Justice and not fear. At the minimum, I believe it's more than this, but at the minimum that the perception of corruption is all over it and yep. over Merrick Garland. Yep. So even if I thought that Ray was doing a good job, he'd have to go because I want to be able to set the agenda and the imagery of my presidency. So I would never say that. Mm. But the fact is, Robert Ray, as we all know, did not. He tried to hide the information that the whistleblower said existed, the FD-1023. Yeah, Christopher Ray. Yeah. What did I say? Robert Ray. His brother had nothing to do with it. <laughs> I don't know if there is Maybe I'm Ray. thinking of Robert Cray. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the guitarist. <laughs> Brilliant musician. <Yeah>. I say. <laughs> <laughs> it has. It, it's, it's very similar. <laughs> Don't let, don't combine music and politics. <laughs> it's the number one rule. <laughs> and, and so when he said that, it just, it just showed you that, well, then I have to question your seriousness of really rooting out corruption. Yeah. If you even stated something like that, then I look at Nikki Haley and the whole thing that she said about Disney, come to South Carolina. We'd be happy to have you here. It clearly shows at that point, you have to question whether she would really be serious when it comes to the culture wars that exist today. Right. And the culture wars, when we say it, I don't like calling them culture wars. I like calling them issues of substance of racism and the insanity of the liberal transgender activist movement of the mutilation of children. Culture wars give you a thing that, oh, I'm simply in a different culture. You get to the specifics of it by her saying that it shows to me, gives me an indication she's not really serious about this, and that's extremely important to me when you have the opposition party that clearly promotes identity politics, racism, the mutilation of children, and the insanity, the misogyny of the radical transgender activist movement. Mm. And it means she doesn't take that seriously. And then Ramaswamy, when you hear, for example... Now, he's tried to backtrack, uh, you know, on it, so I don't really know where he stands on it, but he was talking about some hard drugs should be legalized. And that, when you look at what's going on, and these are the clear things of things that are so obvious, what's going on in Portland right now, that everybody knows about. We're not talking about the legalization of pot. We're talking about what they've done in, in Portland, where all drugs have basically been legalized. And other liberal cities are considering doing it. And everywhere it's tried, it's a complete and total disaster where where you're basically dealing with scenes that look like a third world country. For him to say that, it's one thing to say, okay, I think they should legalize pot. Why did he have to delve into the harder drugs to begin with? And if you're trying to make the case, well, well the, and, the harder the thing is, is he I, I, didn't I, actually get into the discussion because if if that's going to be if that's going to be one of your, um, I guess, sets of talking points as a part of your campaign, then you really have to get into the discussion. And he right. really didn't venture into it. So it didn't really serve any value at all. It's not going because what you're saying, basically what he was implying is. I'm open to the conversation. That doesn't get you anywhere. I don't think no, right doesn't. now it is 
it, that's at the top of the mind uh, that's that there's any urgency at all. And now and then he did get into the, you know, the microdoses, for example, of hallucinogens that might be able to help PTSD or whatever. Yeah. I still think that's an unproven science at this point. But the fact is, that isn't when you talk about that. Well, that would still be prescription use if you're talking about that not the legalization of hard drugs. Mm-hmm. It's a different concept. Should we make something should we make something that is viewed as a scheduled one drug? Should we make that because we find out the you know the FDA whatever finds out that it has you know uh medical purposes that then you allow that to become a prescription. That's different mindset than saying I be, you know I believe we should be legalizing some hard drugs. You mm-hmm. would say no, I think we should be legalizing them as prescriptions for uh, people that have PTSD and, and, and other things, because from what we've seen through trials, it seems to have some success, and we need to investigate that more closely. I have no problem if you said that. Yeah. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, and so those are the things that sit in the back of my mind, and then you, and you wonder, okay, who's going to say something, what I view as being a stupid comment to make when you don't have to make it? And yeah. I'm just giving three examples, you know, uh, 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 there. And now I'm picking three candidates who really are not going to be president of the United States. I forgot who said it was Charles Cook from National Review that um, Ramaswamy, um, Tim Scott, mm-hmm. and Nikki Haley are just trying to <laughs> – they're running for vice they're, president yeah. or a cabinet member. <laughs> right, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know about Ramaswamy – I I think there could at some point down the road, uh, there could be a day where where I could see him in the White House. Um, it's I don't believe he's going to get the nomination this time. No, I don't. No. He's the only one, by the way, on the rise, and it's not that much of a rise. What you were, what people were looking for in the polls was a rise with DeSantis, and it's been quite the opposite. Well, it, now this would be interesting. For example, the Ra- Ramaswamy, it would be interesting to see what would happen if, for example, Trump dropped out. Yeah. If Trump right. said, look, I've got too much on my plate right now, maybe 2028 after we get this all settled. I don't believe that's going to happen. But if Trump said that, then you would probably have it would be DeSantis Ramaswamy at that point, And then anything could happen over a period of four or five months. But I don't believe that's going to happen. Trump's not going to drop out. And I think that's when Ramaswamy would be, and and he may have a political future. Don't know whether it's going to be president. Maybe he'll be a senator first. Maybe he'll be a congressperson, and then move up uh, that route. Maybe he will get that much publicity where he doesn't need to have a political background. Trump proved you don't need a political background. Perot proved you don't have to have a political background. Mm-hmm. Perot back back uh, in the late eighties, early nineties. He cut his own throat by dropping out and then coming back in again, and people went, okay, forget mm-hmm. about him. But I think in some of the polls before he dropped out, he was leading as an independent. Yeah, sure. So people will look at it and say, okay, are you a business person? Have you come up with uh, you know some, uh, some, some decent ideas? Well, and, and you know, this is the question is what starts to resonate? Does anything resonate as a matter of being on a debate stage? I, I don't know. I start mm-hmm. – uh, you know, you and I uh, talked about it yesterday, the ultimate long-term or or uh, the ultimate impact 
of uh, in in this, at least in this election cycle of of any set of debates, whether it's now or during the general election, what impact do they have? And I don't know that because technology has changed everything. You know, it used to be you would sit there and you would watch it and then you would wait for others to digest and then tear it apart. But actually, those paying attention have become pretty decent at, be, at being fact checkers. There still are plenty of people out there that are um, willfully ignorant and choose not to engage. I don't know what's going to change their mind if you can't get it done with what's going on right now. And, you know, you, you look at a DeSantis. You know, he's hit it hard on, you know, what they call the culture wars. The reason I, by the way, don't have a problem using culture wars is because it is a different culture to me. The left is a different culture. It is a different culture when you say oh. it's okay for kids to decide to mutilate themselves. I'm just you saying know, that's no, no. I'm I'm just saying the term culture war. Mm-hmm. I think to the average person doesn't resonate. Doesn't resonate because it doesn't the same. carry. It doesn't carry the same. Right. It doesn't. You don't break it down. You don't right. know what it means right. to any given person. I get right. that. But you know, there's the and there's the problem that that DeSantis has is that for whatever reason. And keep in mind, everybody was saying, hey, uh, who was it? Oh, it was Bill Maher that said, the left is afraid of this guy because he reads. He's like Trump. He's blunt. But this guy reads. That's the I'm an independent Bill Maher liberal. And, of course, over the when was it his? podcast the other day the other night we're just cooing over ramaswamy and you know basically calling all the other republicans racist and including implying that reagan was okay with racism back in the day which is absurd but all of this you know you you look at like a a how it changes the image of a desantis the excitement around DeSantis isn't what it was before he announced. The anticipate mm-hmm. it might come back again. I don't know what you, how you get it. Here's what I would advise. You better trim the fat. Trim the fat from all the language you're using on the road. Now, I think for the most part, he's been pretty good. But if you have any questions, see what Ramaswamy is doing. Ramaswamy can sit down with anybody and talk the issues. Now, you want to get into the decriminalization of hard drugs? Uh, There was a huge misstep. And that may cost him ultimately. But when you're a current governor of a state that's doing very well and drawing in countless people and businesses and revenue into your state, and you've built a consensus in your party, not even just in your party, you've built a consensus from even people outside your party in your own state, you've got a massive starting point. You've got a head start. So you really have to trim the fat on getting that message out. The one thing about Ramaswamy 
right now that's working for him is his ability to convey ideas. The GOP could learn from that. No, you're absolutely right. And and with a a with a confidence that isn't attempting to apologize or put anything in well, let me put this in context. No, this is the way it is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And also he doesn't make it about him. I I know that when you're campaigning, you kinda do. But you can campaign and convey that it is about the future of this nation. In fact, I think it's imperative that you do so. Yes, I'm 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 not a listless vessel. I'm a <laughs> vessel that has ideas and I'm just the vessel I'm a promoting the ideas. Vessel. It's a listful. <laughs> I come I come from a long a list, line listful. of listful vessels. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy says uh, an impeachment inquiry might begin when uh, Congress resumes in uh, September. I think mm. it's a great possibility. Also, we'll have the full quote from Kellyanne Conway <laughs> on the fact that uh, Biden will not debate whoever the candidate is. He will not debate. I, I don't year. know how you let him on stage. If I'm advising the Biden campaign, the the answer is absolutely not. And no exceptions to that rule. No, you don't let him debate because there is when has has he been in public? Uh, And we can quit using the word gaff. It's not gaff anymore. No. When has there been anything that looked normal? And any appearance that he's made recently, each of them even on vacation, have been disasters. Put him on a debate stage where he has to go back and forth with someone? No. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. Welcome and good morning. Hi. Here we are in uh, debate day, first debate. Sort of the 
I guess, uh, official kickoff of the presidential campaign. Trump will not be there. Larry Elder will not be there. Uh, he is suing uh, the uh, RNC, saying he did meet the qualifications or saying that he did not. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, some of the talk that was going around yesterday was uh, it, because Trump isn't showing up, does this give Biden the excuse not to debate when it comes uh, to the general election uh, yeah. next year? Yeah. And the point was made, well, he won't debate anybody now, including right. anybody else running in his party. So he doesn't need an excuse. Uh Kellyanne Conway was on Fox News yesterday. Let me read the quote here. Um, Will they allow Joe Biden to debate was the question. Kellyanne Conway, uh, no, he won't. They won't let him out there. They hardly let him out there at all. We don't see much of him. And maybe that also means that Kamala doesn't have to debate, which they would want to avoid because She battles the teleprompter every day, and the teleprompter wins. (laughs) This is really interesting. She doesn't put in the work. I I can't imagine her debating another human being on policy and substance and her record. That would be terrible. I believe debates are part of the democratic process. We, the people, deserve to see the voters debate each other free of charge. Mm. So, yeah. Um, you know, look, <laughs> the teleprompter wins. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great line. I, I really, I don't know the ultimate impact. You know, we talked about uh, the undecided votes. I'm starting to wonder in today's age, are you undecided or are you just telling pollsters you're undecided? Are you just unengaged? Yeah, I think the undecided are completely unengaged. You know, we're we're engaged all the time. Yeah. You know, you know what I like? This happened to me yesterday. When people you know, acquaintances. But do you really know how bad it is out there? <laughs> I had to tell one friend yesterday. Yeah. Um, apparently, you keep forgetting what I do for a living. I yeah. talk about this five hours a day, yeah. five days a week uh, for, 30, for, for 34 years come the beginning of October. So, yeah, yeah I sort of do know. <laughs> Yeah, we 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 kind of have an idea. Yeah, an idea. Yeah. But I I get that every once in a while. You know, do you understand how bad it is out there? No. No, I I, I don't. Uh, I only, yeah. I've only done this for thirty four years here in a couple yeah. of weeks, and uh, yeah, I got and, nothing. And I we talk about all the controversial issues. No, I have no idea. I mean, is, is it bad? <laughs> yeah, that's what I need to do. Is it, yeah. is it bad? What's what's wrong out what, there? What's going on? <laughs> I, but I, I will say that um, I'll give you an example. Uh, when my mom was alive, she would listen. Talk radio would be on all day. Yeah. That's all every single day hmm. to the point of when I would visit. It would be on all day. And yeah. I used to be a program director. 
And so when you listen to radio as a program director, you're not listening the same way as somebody who just listens to your radio show. Yeah. Your mind's going, okay, how are they forming this debate? How are they doing here? What are they doing here? What are they doing here? All right. Uh, you know, what's the, uh, what are the commercials? What's this? How much traffic do they have? You know, just all those things going through your head. Mm-hmm. You're analyzing it. It becomes work. I remember telling my mom, I got to leave because <laughs> I just got to leave. I didn't want to hurt her feelings. So I said, I got to get out of here for a little bit because I just couldn't handle it because you're right at work again. Yeah. You never get away from it. Right. But my mom would have it on all the time and my dad would be there. So my dad would know. Uh, my uh, my dad, even though he's on the Internet, really doesn't look at a lot of news. I have to explain to him, since my mom's been gone, he's really not paying attention much to the news. Mm. You know, my my brother does, and, and uh, my brother fills him in on a lot of stuff. But I'm really amazed, you know, how, and again, my dad's 97 years old. So mm-hmm. my dad was always, you know, knew what was going on. Yeah. Uh, but my mom, you know, and once they retired, you know, my mom was the one that had talk radio on every day, mm. so you know what the topics are. Yeah. And my dad is even, isn't even watching the nightly news as much anymore. Or when it's on, it's just on in the background. Because that was another thing. My parents, it wasn't that they couldn't afford cable. They just, when they they got it for about six months and said, no way are we paying for this. And so everything that they're exposed to is the mainstream media, except for talk radio, for the longest time. Yeah. And right. you would, and so I'd go over to their house, and they'd have on, and I'd be getting furious. I'm like, "Well, that's a biased report. That's a biased report. That's a biased report." And they'd say, "Will you please shut up and let us watch the news?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, but it's biased. I can't. This isn't. This isn't a vacation. There is no rest in this house. <laughs> you I, people, wake up! I can't get away from it. But. but and no, my mom will. My mom will shut me down if my dad and I are having a conversation at my parents' house. My mom, if something's on Fox News, she'll stop. Shh, shh. Listen, listen. I'm like, mom, I listen to that all the time. I just want to visit. Give me just one break, and then I'll listen to Neil Cavuto. Just give me a few minutes with dad. <laughs> but uh and so that's just an example to me because my dad will say no i don't know anything about this i'm like what what mm. oh number one he's 97 number two my mom is doesn't talk radio isn't playing all day in the house mm-hmm. and he's still doing stuff i mean he's fixing things i mean he's yeah. just he's yeah. doing what my dad always does right which is not that he didn't pay attention but my dad's mind is always working like an engineer's mind mm. all right i got to fix this over here and i got to do this and i got to make sure i do this and 97 his mind is still extremely active it's just what's going on in the world is not number one to him yeah and and uh and so but i meet a lot of people that have no clue as to what's going on it's re- interesting you know and mm. <clears throat> you'll meet people so i heard you're in talk radio is that the kind of radio where you just where you so so you just talk <clears throat> So you're an angry yeah. person? <laughs> it's like the person that tweeted at us several years ago. <clears throat> Play some music. Where where's the music? It's a talk show. Everybody just like responded with the same thing. It's it's a talk show. It's there's no music. <laughs> ha! 
Uh, uh, <laughs> Could you throw an Irish jig in there or something? I mean, something. <laughs> Clap your hands. Do something. Uh, maybe a polka tune. Something. <laughs> Could you hum a few bars? But no, there are. That's the thing when you realize, you know, because uh, comedians have done number of comedians have done the thing of when they get to you know the last week of October and the last debate and. They're they're polling those that are undecided. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I just I just remember, and I can't think of the guy's name. Whether Frank Luntz, when Frank Luntz was doing it in 2016, it's mm-hmm. like a couple of weeks from the election, and Hillary has debated Donald Trump. Well, I, I just I still don't know where to go on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You probably have. Probably of liberals screaming the same thing. What are you talking about? What do you mean you're undecided? Yeah, exactly. And these are people that really don't pay attention at all to the news. And and I know, I think that they're because things, I think that because things get so heated, I know people, when I was at my 50th uh, high school reunion, you know, these people are, most of them are, yeah, probably the vast majority are retired now. Mm, yeah. But I was amazed the the people I know, and I've talked about this before, that have never changed since high school. They were always into music and sports. And today, all they're into is music and sports. And then once a year, there'll be a topic that hits them that they hear about. And they'll say, I don't like this at all going on. Why can't we all get together? Right. And, yeah. I, and I know yeah. they all vote Democrat, mm-hmm. but they really don't pay attention to the news at all. Mm-hmm. They really don't. They couldn't explain to you in any specific detail any of the major issues out there. Mm. Yet they vote Democrat, but they stay away from it because they hate. Po- I just hate politics. I hate as if that, you know, that's by the way. Have you ever noticed how that has become a, a virtue part of virtue signaling? Oh, yeah. That I don't pay attention to it. I don't pay attention to that because it's just it's just nuts. Both sides, both sides are bad, you know. And it's like, yeah. Oh, well, then you're a good person because you don't pay attention to what's going on. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Right. Yeah. Uh, it 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 <laughs> it's and it's always this approach of. Um, I'm going to, you know, it's, I'm going to tell you how things are, but I'm not going to pay attention to how, what's, what's going on. Like, uh, all right. Okay, fine. And always interesting when one of them wakes up. Did you see? Yeah. That's it. Do you know about the Russian hoax? Yeah, that's it. Uh, welcome to 2017, dude. <laughs> and when and when I get that, and we're in the business of doing it, yeah. And did you hear about this? Did, nobody's talking about. It. You know, well, they were six years ago. You know, <laughs> did you hear about this? You know, you got to talk about this on your show. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that's the other one. Homework. No, here's what you need to do. Listen, listen. Are you writing this down? I'm writing it down mentally. Trust me, I'll remember every word. <laughs> you need to talk about this. Did, no, did, it's it is always it. it did, I you, love, did you hear about this? Hillary set up Trump. Yeah. No, I really. 
What? Should I cover that? Yeah. You mean you haven't covered it yet? Who? Hillary who? <laughs> you mean that hurricane? Yeah. Or that what are you, what are you talking? Or... Who are you talking? Hillary who? Oh, you mean Bill Clinton's wife. <laughs> that would make you part of the patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag me what? (laughs) (laughs) Hillary is her own woman. You should not label her as Bill Clinton's wife. I don't know. What is a woman? He doesn't. What is a woman? Somebody tell me. What's a woman? (laughs) Somebody get Megan Rapinoe on the phone, please. (laughs) It's... (laughs) But it's it's always, uh, you know... It it is always a it's always a process. I you and I were talking during the break. What was the what was the the the, the headline uh, that I that I came across and, and basically I'm you know asking the question: Do people? Oh, it was uh, prosecutors in Delaware and yeah. that how they've always been uh, uh, donors to the Democrats and it's like. Well, but not surprised. You know, you and I aren't surprised. But are we at the point, and I asked you this, kind of like during the Obama years, we we came up with this idea that it was their strategy to lie all the time only to get, if only to, I mean, they wanted to get away with things, but but also to get the opposition screaming liar all the time. See, they just, all they do is say liar, 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 liar. And, you know, you just and of course, they're the loud side, the GOP at the time. And so they're going to get all the media attention. Of course, liberal media is not going to be on their side. So you got that going for you. And people just ignore stories like that of how many prosecutors in Delaware have been uh, donors for the Democrats giving money. To the Democrats and friends of the and, of of, yeah. of of Hunter Biden and, right. and Bo Biden, yeah, actually right. actual friends Having of them. Actually, right. you know, uh, there mm-hmm. is a real conflict of interest, mm-hmm. and I wonder how many people just hear that and all they hear is the blah 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 blah, blah and then they just turn it off. It, it, there is no doubt there are millions of people who fit that description, and. That's how you get to a point of them getting away with it. The whole thing with Weiss, A.G. Barr, or I'm sorry, A.G. Garland. We'll get to Barr next segment. Um, A.G. Garland and Director Ray. All these things could be solved if there were the political will and and people were outraged over how the DOJ and and intel and law enforcement has been weaponized in this nation. There is a lot of outrage on our side. How can you be on zero side? I'm not right or left. I'm in the middle. And not be outraged because you're not paying attention. That's how. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. Because one simple description, one very clear piece of evidence that points to it, and shows it to you should send you on the war path politically to say this stops today and as a nation we demand it does. But I want to go back to what I said previously because I really mm. do think 
that because you see it, it's become part of virtue signaling. I don't pay attention anymore because politics has just gotten yeah. too divisive. Yes, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, right. I'm above all of that. Right, I'm above all of it, and therefore yeah. I'm of a higher morality because right. I don't get involved in finding out what the truth is. Mm-hmm. Really? <laughs> yeah, they're that's always the one that's going to school you, and they're not going to class each day. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and uh, I'm Gary Magmar. I want to play this uh, audio cut from Gary Shapley, who was on Fox News uh, yesterday, mm. calling for a special counsel to investigate Weiss and Garland. And, and think about this. How would that be done? But first, let's first hear part of this interview. You know, this is from the Washington Examiner today. It says at least seven prosecutors who worked in the Delaware U.S. Attorney's Office over the last several years of the Hunter Biden investigation appear to be Democratic donors. One of them appears to have a previously unreported personal relationship with the Biden family, at one point referring to Hunter Biden as a good friend. Uh, It was also revealed that David Weiss had at one time uh, worked with um, Bo Biden. In. You know, it's kind of shocking that he hasn't said that he wants to step aside from this whole thing, given all of these ties, isn't it? Were you are you surprised that at this point in this process, he wanted to be the special counsel on this case? And what do you think is going to happen now? Well, what we really need is we need a special counsel to investigate this investigation, and that includes the actions of of U.S. Attorney Weiss, Attorney General Garland, the statements made to Congress, the letters sent to Congress, over and over again. Uh, as information comes out, it's proven that that what they told the American people, what they told the Congress, was not accurate. And uh, at the end of the day, uh, I came forward for the American people, and uh, I put myself at risk for the American people. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, they need to uh, be confident that that um, this investigation is actually looked that um, um, independently and fairly. So what he's saying is that Merrick Garland should appoint a special counsel that would investigate Merrick Garland's appointment of another special counsel. Yeah. Sounds logical. I'm sure that would work. (laughs) You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley and I'm Gary McNamara because uh, we were talking about Gary Shapley, the whistleblower, who keeps insisting on special counsels. Mm-hmm. Well, we got a special counsel for Hunter Biden and... He's still not happy. Yeah, right. And now he's calling for a special counsel to look at the special counsel who would still be appointed by Merrick Garland as if that's the solution. Right. uh, That's the solution to it, which, of course, is absurd 
And, you know, look, they don't want to ask him that question because he's a whistleblower and he's been legit and he's moved it forward. But that's the question I would ask. You keep asking. And we asked this from day, from, from initially when he said, I want, to, I want a special counsel. And we said, why? You know, and at, at, at the same time where Comer said, I don't want a special counsel because they'll try to hide everything. And Gary Shapley keeps calling for a special counsel. He got one. Now he's not happy with the special counsel. Mm. So he's calling for another special counsel. And just so people know, from the special counsel law, majorities of either party within the House or Senate Judiciary Committee could formally request the attorney general appoint a special prosecutor on a particular matter. But the decision of whether or not to appoint uh, the independent counsel remained with the attorney general and is not reviewable in court. So what you're saying is, I believe Merrick Garland is corrupt. I believe Weiss is corrupt. And I called for a special counsel. Merrick Garland put David Weiss in there as special counsel. I think that's corruption. So we need Merrick Garland to appoint another special counsel to show that he is corrupt. (laughs) Ah! Uh, Unless you're going to wait until January of 2025. And hopes that the GOP takes the White House, which is, you know, if you look at the way it uh, went down with um, A.G. Barr and and John Durham and the assignment there. Um, Okay, fine. Uh, I, I, look. It's when you, when you have the New York Times, I almost said post again. Writing about this, about and 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 the media, the mainstream media seems to be now taking notice of not just the conflict of interest, but how bogus this whole thing is, how much cover up there is. There's there's no number one. You just pointed out why there's no point in even talking about another special counsel assignment. The people are going to be more informed, and it will, at some point, everything is going to boil over the top. And I think we're getting closer to that point. And I think if the House starts impeachment inquiry in the fall, forget it. Because during that process, this won't be like a January 6th committee. This won't be like either of the Trump impeachments. This is going to be thorough. Look at look at what the GOP was able to do by bringing forth the whistleblowers. This is just one item that 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 I think that they've they've accomplished. And and you and I have not been people who carried great confidence in the GOP to get things like this done, but I do believe they've done so far a really mm-hmm. a, a really good job at bringing this stuff to the surface. They got through that process of bringing the whistleblowers forward, and then the FD ten twenty three release. It brought so much awareness that the New York Times had to wake up. I mean, there's there's your uh, that goes so much further than any special prosecutor assignment. You know, you and I talked about the fact that 
uh, one of the whistleblowers was actually asking or suggesting there should be a special counsel assigned. And we said at the time, and had been saying all along, special counsel situation is going to sweep it under the rug. Well, one of the situations that we have here is that they may try that. But if you move on impeachment inquiry and the fact that you now isolate Hunter away from Joe, you can focus on Joe because the special counsel isn't looking into Joe Biden. Well, you had actually the we now know because of the New York Times that the man appointed to the special counsel, according to the New York Times, not the New York Post, not right. not uh, Fox News, but yeah. according to the New York Times, the, the man appointed as a special prosecutor when he was just a prosecutor attempted to sweep the Hunter Biden crimes under the rug. Yeah, right. Un- until the whistleblowers came forward and then he changed his mind and it was, okay, we at least have to pretend that we're being tough. Right. So misdemeanors, but no jail time. Yeah, right. And then that fell apart because that was such an absurd plea deal that the judge just asking a few basic questions within a period of a minute, destroyed any type of, you know, sweetheart deal that Hunter Biden was going to uh, to, to get. So the, the interesting thing is I think that the New York Times story helps the Republicans yeah. get to a impeachment inquiry. And what they have to explain to the American public is we're not doing what the Democrats are doing. I know they've stated that. But they need to be precise why they're going to an impeachment inquiry, that this is not an impeachment. This is an impeachment inquiry because we are being stonewalled. Look, the New York Times, you can keep referring to the New York Times over and over again. The New York Times article that the Justice Department is corrupt, that tried to sweep the Hunter Biden situation under the rug. Having an in, excuse me, having an impeachment inquiry, which would be focused on Joe Biden, which, of course, includes Hunter Biden because he is part of the, quote, enterprise. I don't know if they plan on using mm. RICO yeah. uh, law here. Uh, uh, you know, but they have to explain we're going to the impeachment inquiry because we believe we will have they're stonewalling us across the board. We take this to an official impeachment inquiry and judges will force these people to testify before us, which is why we're going to an impeachment inquiry to get to the bottom of this. And it probably is a time to do this if they have gotten everything that they believe that they could have gotten through regular means. Then you go to the impeachment inquiry, you explain it to the American people because the vast majority of the American people believe that Joe Biden, at the minimum, has been involved in an illegal cover-up of all of this, the specific questions about whether they believe he is corrupt. I haven't seen a poll lately on that, whether he is corrupt in his dealings with Hunter Biden. But it doesn't matter. Mm. The American public, I think it's 63 percent, believe in the latest poll that Biden is illegally covering up what was going on, which means the American public wants to know. So you have the American public that's behind you to find out the truth in this, you need to explain it to the American people and you don't need to go about it the way that the, you don't have to go about it the way that the Democrats did, which destroyed their credibility. Think about this. The January 6th committee went nowhere 
because it was bogus because yeah. they didn't allow for cross examination. Mm. And I go ahead, Democrats, ask any question you want. Yeah, sure. Because right now, as we know, Jamie Raskin and Dan Goldman, that are basically the uh, hit hitmen for the Democrats, have been destroyed and destroying their own case because. Nothing is going their way. None of these, none of what's going on in this case, none of it is allegations by Republicans looking for uh, a, you know, allegations or a narrative by Republicans that are looking to cherry pick the evidence to show that there's a problem. Because all of the evidence comes from Hunter Biden himself, Joe Biden himself, the whistleblowers, and bank records and what you want to be able to get with an impeachment inquiry you need to get to the bank records in order to expose them to the american people that's what you have to get and then what their claim is we can't get the bank records now we can't get them right now well you need to explain to the american public does an impeachment inquiry get you closer to getting the bank records Mm. or are you on uh, stronger legal grounds to get those bank records in an impeachment inquiry because by the time you get to the impeachment inquiry, you know what's in. They know what's in the reports, the mm-hmm. SARS reports, mm-hmm. but they can't release them. Yeah, right. Well, can you use, if you can't release them, can you use what you know as testimony and get it as sworn testimony that this is what these SARS reports are stating? Or does the impeachment inquiry and the ruling of a court allow you to bring that into an impeachment inquiry? Mm. That's what you need to explain. That's all the stuff that I want to know. Well, that's it, because it, it appears we are at the final gate. The final gate is about the flow. It always has been about the flow of money. That's, as we have said all along, going to tell the entire story. Everything will be aligned if you can follow all of those dollars, not just from where they came, but also where they were moved to after they landed, if anywhere. And the New York Times gives you Republicans cover now. Yep. Because the New York Times made it clear that what the Democrats have been promoting, Raskin and Goldman, is a lie. Is, is a lie. Is a and lie. And gave credibility to the whistleblowers, as you pointed gives out. Gives credibility to the whistleblowers, that it's backing up what the whistleblowers have yep. said, and it's backing up what the Republicans Right. Uh, have have said right and nobody has attacked the new york times yet and so it helps you get to the impeachment inquiry by you know comer and whoever else coming out and say look the new york times ran the story yeah and the new york times story backs up everything that we have stated uh uh so far the american public is already questioning and already are very suspicious that the entire biden family including joe is corrupt yeah All the polling shows that. All you need to do is keep adding on with the legitimate evidence and what the New York Times has said. Look at this story here. The Washington Post columnist changes his mind, calls for Joe Biden to be fully investigated over Hunter's business dealings. Hmm. Uh, He uh, wrote, uh, Henry Olson, that he originally long dismissed stories regarding Hunter Biden, but recent revelations have changed that. There's more than enough evidence to meet a thorough investigation of President Biden's involvement in his son's business dealings, Olson argued. 
He shared that under recent testimony from Hunter Biden business associates, Devin Archer, as well as claims that Biden used different aliases while dealing with Ukrainian policy merits some suspicion. And so does the 20 fake companies, the LLCs. Yeah. The LLCs. Yeah. Did, did I say it right? LLC, LLC yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and as you said, you were the first one to say it. Oh, no, no. It's just an illusion. It's just Hunter, you know, taking advantage of Joe and nine other family members that have received cash yeah. through these uh, fake companies and uh, uh, accounts going through these fake companies to distribute to them. So is the entire Biden family corrupt except Joe? None Are of those, all using Joe? Yeah, none of those Joe defenders tried to make the point that the other family members didn't receive money. Right, yeah. So is everybody corrupt? Is everybody in the Biden family using poor old Joe? Right. And he just loves all of them. And because he loves all of them so deeply, they're all taking advantage of him because of his love. Well, that's another thing with the special prosecutor. The assignment into into Hunter Biden has to lead to other family members. I don't know how far it will go in terms of their law breaking, but it will have to include that flow of money. How can it not? Unless it's of course, simply bogus, and they 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 go at it just like uh, you know the the um, the entire Russian hoax special prosecutor. Those are the those are the items that are on the table. This idea of suggesting that it should be a special prosecutor to investigate the special prosecutor. Who is that going to be? Oh, I know an attorney. His name is Hunter Biden. But that's how ludicrous things are right now. And yeah. they're upfront about it. They're practically bragging. I could see about it. Merrick Garland appoints a special prosecutor yeah. to look at the corruption of Merrick Garland and the special prosecutor and the new special prosecutor, Hunter Biden. Is Hunter Biden. 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. California's seen some of the highest gas prices of the year. And just reading this one article here from Newsweek, gas prices rise to $7 at one Florida gas station. So we will get uh, to that and uh, more uh, all coming up. is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. Good morning. He's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. All right. 
Jennifer Aniston is so over the cancel culture. Is there no redemption? <laughs> there you go. Are they still canceling the TV show Friends? I mean, it's it's on, where is it? On Netflix? I don't know where it is now. Yeah, didn't they get hit big time for basically outdated material? <laughs> You know, you it's that's the crime. Or figuring out Ross's true gender. Yeah, right. Uh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude, it's Jennifer Aniston. What are you doing? Yeah. Um but <laughs> you shouldn't be torn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's no there is no break. Shouldn't ever be a break. Uh, but I, I did. What's what's the? Uh, hmm. Oh, what was the 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 woman that uh, liked Joey? I never really watched. I don't think I ever watched a full episode. No, one time I did. Well, there and was, that was the there Thanksgiving was this episode. Agent, and then no, no, the, no the, then there was a, the the one that talked. Yeah, Joey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I saw her on YouTube a couple of months ago. The real, and she just said how much she loved that role. Yeah, how great it was, and that her laugh was the best laugh ever. Yeah, yeah. That was that was a very good character. Yeah, it was a great. You know, but but that's it. I mean, it really is. It's it's outdated material. And remember what was happening? They were getting the feedback of the younger generation. (laughs) So weird to say. The younger generation was watching the classic sitcom Friends. <laughs> <laughs> I need a nap. Oh, man. And and they were they were responding going, "Well, I feel guilty for laughing. It's funny, but you can't say that these days." Yeah, you can. It's comedy. It's comedy. Of course it's absurd. It's supposed to be absurd. I mean, you had six affluent friends in New York City, and they didn't have one friend who was a person of color? Not one? That's how absurd it was. We all know it wasn't real. Was that one of the criticisms? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I, yeah. I, I, uh, I, they brought on, I think it was Aisha Tyler. They brought into the show uh, in one of the last few seasons. I don't know who was, if somebody was dating her or if she was a friend of somebody. I, was like Ross, most sitcoms, was again? after the first couple of years, I usually... I haven't watched television in a long time, and so it really was probably season two or three was the last time I really was able to watch sitcoms because they weren't streaming yet, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and you so to watch it again, that's back when, remember, when a television season was 22 episodes? Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's crazy to think about. They did more earlier on mm-hmm. uh, in uh, like in the seventies. They did even more than twenty two. Right. There were some that were up to thirty. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and so I didn't I didn't watch when I started working here in ninety in the mid nineties. 
it was, you know, the schedule didn't allow me to watch primetime TV. So occasional reruns. Then when it went into syndication, you know, you would catch it. But I didn't I didn't keep up with it later. But that was one of the criticisms. There were no characters uh, uh, except white characters that were the main characters. Um, But then later it was when they were when they had young people, college age kids watching it, binge watching it. And it was very popular Uh, at one time on Netflix. They were saying, oh, I'm laughing, but I shouldn't be. That's you can't say that. It's it's a joke. You don't have to put any value into it, but it only has the value that that you assign to it. I remember. And 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 quite frankly, it's mundane. It's there's it's not it's not racist. It's not. You know, if you want to be offended by everything, then you're going to be offended by everything. It doesn't matter whether you're watching comedy or not. Remember, Seinfeld had the same criticism. Yeah. How come there's no black major character? Yeah. Right. Well, Steve, Steve Byrne was telling us that one time. Mm -hmm. Remember yeah. he did it. Yep. Was it TNT where he had, was it, or TBS? Uh, TBS. Where Sullivan and Son. Mm-hmm. Sons. Right. And, and he was like, it's like, you know, where's, you know, you don't have enough minorities. He's like, I'm Korean American. Yeah. We have an Egyptian. Right. We have a, you know, we have a, we have a black guy. Right. And uh, we have a white guy and we're in a multicultural bar. Where's the gay character? Yeah, was, no, like, that's hey, it. That's what he told me. Yeah. Uh, that, I mean, that's because that's what you have to go through. It's a well. I'm telling my particular. I'm telling the story that I want to tell here, and it's like they don't want. They didn't want that. They wanted you know tell us exactly what you know tell us exactly why we should be running running this show, which means you have to cover all identity bases. Well. You've got too many Bases, people. Yeah. You have too many green lighters in Hollywood. I mean, they're not green lighting anything at the moment, but you have too many green lighters in Hollywood that are asking silly questions like, why is it important that we do this movie now? Why now? In other words, what statement does it make about today's? No, no. Money. Do, do a movie that has a bunch of silly stuff in it if you're doing a comedy. Make people laugh. And if they show up, they show up. If they don't, it probably wasn't funny. You know, I mean, I wouldn't know what to do if you were to go out there and screen as a new movie, Blazing Saddles. That wouldn't be made today, by the way. That movie would not be made today. But, you know, Mel Brooks tells this story about how Warner Brothers called him in. It was one of the, it was a top movie executive at Warner Brothers and said, had a whole list of things of him to cut out of the movie after they screened it. And they said, these are the items we want you to cut out. But he only actually cut out one. And it was a Cleavon Little line, and he cut that out. Oh, I know the line. Yeah. And so that was the only thing he did, and then they released it. But with all of the language in that movie... You know, Richard Pryor was one of the main writers of that movie. Mm-hmm. And you had uh, a, no- a number of comedians that were on board. Uh, Cleavon Little ended up getting the, you know, the, the lead role, basically. Um, and you would, of course, you would never get that 
that movie made today. But what we have forgotten is that the comedy lies in the absurdity. It wasn't celebrating the language that was used in that movie. It was just the opposite. It was pointing out how absurd it was, how absurd these characters were that were basically delivering those lines that were saying those things. That's where the comedy lives is, man, how ignorant are these people? You just you're shaking your head and you're laughing at it. And, you know, you you get away from that because. Sorry, I'm offended. Everybody quit laughing, quit laughing because I am offended. If you're offended, don't pay the money to go see the movie. Don't spend your time in front of that screen. And the cancel culture, I think, has lost their power. I think they're just about over, except for the fact that you still might get every once in a while, uh, I think, probably their lasting effect, maybe, and I don't know how long it lasts, is the effect of those green lighters. The ones saying, well, we're not going to make this movie right now. We're not going to. Well, people want to see certain things. When, when, when you look um, at what movies and, and what songs are going to the top of the charts, I mean, we talked about, <laughs> we broke it down, uh, uh, Rich Men North of Richmond. Yes. First ever to top a billboard chart without having ever any other presence on a billboard chart. I saw that, yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, the Jim Caviezel movie. Uh, is well over two hundred million dollars now. Well, let's. They made it for well, what? Well, look, ten million, I, twelve million. I, I, we got. I, was it a tweet or an email that I that we got that someone said I'm doing what Eric and Gary are doing. Mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get. I I really want to watch good content. I, basically, this was a message. I'm paraphrasing yeah, it completely. Right. But I'm going to go to I'm going to go to YouTube and pay to get a commercial free. Mm. But I think about it, and what I watch the most is. People produce now. Some of it stinks. I don't know if yeah. I don't know if you've noticed, but almost every professional major league team, everybody is doing a podcast with you know video podcast with decent graphics, but then the content of them talking sucks. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm I'm impressed. I'm impressed with what I'm impressed with what they're doing because. You know, you can the things you can do on your laptop today and with a microphone and 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 a camera, you know, you can put together, you can produce something that's pretty awesome. Now, your own podcast and the content you put in for a lot of the people, it's gonna take them time to do it. But I think that's wonderful that people get an opportunity, you know, to put something on YouTube. And if you get 20 people, then it's 40 people, then it's 100 people. Whether you make a dime at it or not, it's the fact that somebody is finding your content interesting. And I know for me, I'm looking for content from regular people. I know what I'm going to get from Hollywood. And the stuff I like, which is a minority of the stuff that they put out, is great. The other stuff I don't care about. I'd rather watch some Joe... uh, Show me how he's building his tiny home Mm -hmm. because the editing and everything else that they do in it 
is so professional that they make it interesting. Well, Sound of Freedom, yeah, so it's, what, $14 million they spent, and so far it's grossed over $175 million. That's a nice... And they believe $178 million, Tidy and they profit. believe it's going to hit $200 million and what eventually. Will it, and what will it do on uh, streaming eventually? Right, exactly. And and you look at that, and it's not one of those topics that people want to, you know, approach. It's not one of these, but it, it does have a very strong message that I think ultimately has a positive outcome, and that is awareness. Mm-hmm. And and those are the things, you know, that you look at, at, at the purpose of why you put something out. And, and you were talking about content creators on YouTube. Um, these content creators are doing something, many times it's something that they have a great deal of experience in. So they have years of doing something, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden they just put a GoPro up and and start rolling. Uh, or they've hit something, it goes viral, uh, they do something, and then all of a sudden they discover, oh, people have an interest in that, and then all of a sudden it kind of takes off. I mean, there's everything from, you know, uh, Shade Tree Mechanics on, okay, guys, you're not going to believe this. Let's get into it. Here, I'll use my wife's car, and then the guy pops the hood, and he's going to get in there. And he's got a ton of followers, and he's doing his thing. I mentioned the gamers recently that have uh, many of them uh, have now gone to YouTube. They've actually signed contracts at YouTube, and they're, they've made an industry out of playing video games. Well, good for them. It's not my thing but they found an audience. They found people who are interested in it, and they were able to monetize it. That, to me, is a great story. When Hollywood says, no, we're going to be the guardian of people's uh, conscience, <laughs> we're going to decide what's important, what's not important. You don't, and neither do your trophies. They just don't. But as uh, she said, she goes, uh, this is Jennifer Aniston. That's how we started this. I'm so over cancel culture, she told the Wall Street Journal. I probably just got canceled by saying that. I just don't understand what it means. Is there no redemption? I don't know. I don't put everybody in the Harvey Weinstein basket. She said, you know, for example, Mm. she knew who he was, thought he was creepy. And, you know, and when he wanted to talk to her about a movie, there was somebody else in the room. And she made sure there was in her trailer or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, she said, you know, you, is there no redemption? Not talking about Harvey Weinstein, but right, everybody right. else who just may say something. Then all of a sudden you're just done. Right. And it's like, you know, uh, you're you're never, ever forgiven uh, for whatsoever. But I would take the cancel culture as not saying something that might be truly offensive or truly racist. Uh, but the fact of ideas that are perfectly normal. I mean, ideas on liberty and freedom, mm-hmm. those things that are being uh, uh, canceled. I mean, you, yeah, everybody yeah, has yeah. their, you know, if you say something, especially if you're working for somebody else, mm-hmm. if you're working for somebody else, if you work for radio station, TV station, and you say something that's blatantly racist, that's not the, can- the cancel culture is basically the, you know, the, yeah, yeah. it isn't your company firing you. It's, Everybody else that has nothing to do with you wanting to permanently ban you. Right. And get you out of, and and in fact, make you unemployable altogether. That's what right. they want to right. do is their goal. And it's not for a real reason. 
If you do something or say something that's racist, that's one thing. But the cancel culture itself is much more than that. But speaking of friends, I only watched the Thanksgiving episode one time because they were playing football. Yeah. And the only other thing I remember from friends is when Joey and the other guy got the two recliners and they reclined back with the big screen TV. That and the leftover sandwich. Don't remember that one. Yeah. Yeah, Ross's sandwich. (laughs) Never saw it. It still sounds like a good sandwich, by the way. 866-90-RED-EYE. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on speed and space management. In order to manage speed, you need to understand the four factors involved in stopping a vehicle. Perception distance is the distance a vehicle travels from the time you see a hazard until your brain recognizes it. The perception time for an alert driver is approximately three-fourths of a second. Reaction distance is the distance a vehicle travels from the time your brain tells your foot to move from the accelerator until your foot hits the brake pedal. The average driver has a reaction time of three-fourths of a second. Brake lag distance also needs to be taken into account. When operating a vehicle with air brakes, it takes about half a second for the mechanical operation to take place. Finally, braking distance is the distance it takes a vehicle to stop once the brakes are applied. Braking distance is affected by the weight, length, and speed of the vehicle, as well as road condition. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller and Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Hurley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. Uh, Dick Sporting Goods blames organized retail crime for 23% drop in profits. On Tuesday, they blamed organized retail crime for sinking their quarterly profits by nearly 25%, the latest retailer to reel from the growing epidemic of thefts around the country. They attributed the losses to organized retail crime and our ability to effectively manage inventory shrink. That's all like stealing. Yeah. Inventory shrink. Theft is now stealing. Yeah. Jay, the inventory is shrinking. I wonder why. I don't know. Where's that guy going with that (laughs) cart full of tennis shoes? Oh, no. Our inventory is shrinking. It's shrinking. Walking out the door. So good, you know you want to listen again with our podcast. Available on our app and at RedEyeRadioShow.com. And he is Eric Hurley and I'm Gary McNamara. Yeah, so uh, Dick Sporting Goods saying our Q2 profitability was short of our expectations due in large part to the impact of elevated inventory shrink. Okay. Why do they do that? Elevated inventory shrink. I I just think I'm I'm I just keep thinking of George Carlin talking about political correctness and changing words so it doesn't sound as bad as it really is. No, that's that's it. And then it, it just sounds mundane and you're not accusing anybody of anything. Okay. 
uh, than what's happening. Inventory shrink. You mean you're not ordering enough? You mean there's a supply shortage? You mean, oh, people are walking out the door with it. Now, by the way, that can also include, uh, as pointed out by Walmart, employee theft. All right. Whoever the thief is, whether they're getting paid to steal from you or not, it's wrong. And you need to put a stop to it. I don't know how you do that. I I, I don't know if we're going to get to the point. uh, I think it was 50 Cent who said a couple of weeks ago, you're just going to have to be in the the future. It's going to be shopping by appointment only. You know, like they do the jewelry stores. Um, You're not going to be able to go in and and just shop or uh, you order it and you pick it up or you go in and you have your, you swipe your card and grab a cart. How are you going to pay for it? Swipe your card. Sorry, we no longer accept cash. I don't, because I don't know otherwise how you do it. We're going to swipe your card. Everything that goes out the door in this cart or in your hands is going to be charged to that card. Well, but if you just walk in and you take it off the shelves mm-hmm. and leave, whether mm-hmm. you have that system set up or not, and nobody stops you because you're well, not going to be it. prosecuted and the company is telling all employees not not to do anything and they don't want to upset other customers by having security mm-hmm. that will grab you. It's mm-hmm. interesting because I had an aunt that used to work in loss prevention. They would grab people. I mean, this goes back, yeah. my aunt, this goes back to the 50s and 60s. You steal something, they're going to grab you and hold you till the cops come. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Forcibly if they had to. Yep. And yeah. so we know how to stop it. You know, it's like <laughs> the next story right here. Austin, Texas residents are feeling the aftershocks of the defund the police movement as staff shortages reportedly are leaving 911 callers on hold and crime continues to spiral out of control. The president of the Austin Police Association blamed the city council for neglecting local law enforcement, telling Fox and Friends on Monday that the alleged missteps have concocted a larger problem. We just continue to have a city council that doesn't show its police officers that it cares about them. Back in December of 17, we had a city council vote down a police contract for the first time in the history of negotiating contracts. And as you know, we pushed forward in 2018, tried to get back under contract. The city decided to uh, go through what they called re-imaging police oversight. And then, you know, we got back under contract. That was before the summer of 2020 that followed the death of George Floyd, he said, noting that Uh, 20 officers were then indicted for doing their jobs during uh, uh, chaos. Um, You know, you look at it going on, the police chief has quit. As we know, in in Austin, they have serious shortages. But, again, there was no other conclusion to defund the police. Yeah, you were going to make, you know, ultimately you were going to make uh, you, first of all, you got politically the uh, you got the response and you actually had some. What were they trying to say? Oh, we're not defunding the police. We're just reallocating the money. 
Reallocating resources. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, depleting inventory. Um, but they <laughs> money inventory. But then you also created on the streets the enemy in a uniform. Who would want to serve under any of that? You're not going to have the backing by local uh, 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 city council or the mayor who's calling for defunding the, the police. And they're taking money away from you so you don't get the resources there. And then you're treated like the enemy on the street. Who wants to do a job like that? Oh, by the way, that's also highly dangerous. Who wants to do that job anymore? It has to be a calling. It most often is a calling. And if it's still a calling, I'm grateful for it for those young folks who want to go out and serve, by the way, in their communities. Many of them grow up in the community and then want to serve right there in that same town. I have a number of friends that have done just that. And they've made careers out of doing that. But there's a calling. It could also be generational. But when you create this, uh, through lying, create a more dangerous situation for them and then start taking away their resources and their support, what do you expect to happen? We're a nation of laws, but without enforcement, the laws mean nothing. Whether it's the border or whether it's every town in America on the streets. Would you want to get out of a car when it's dark and walk up to another car that you can't see into that you have pulled over on the side of the road and look inside all the lights coming down that road are blinding you and you're trying to look to see what's going on. If that situation inside that car may be dangerous to you. Or maybe somebody else in that car. Not many people would. And we've created a nation based on lies. Yeah, that's the one thing. That's the We've created a nation lies. that has right. created an enemy in law enforcement. And that is tragic. It's tragic. The, uh, let me see, down more than 800 officers the department saw a decline of $150 million budget cut, roughly a third in 2020. Wow. What did you expect? Yeah. What did you expect? Uh, I was, uh, I think it was 2021, maybe early 22. The Dallas police chief said the revolving door is just moving too fast. They get them trained, they get experience under their belt, and they're gone. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. If Because it's going to require those same chiefs to stand up the way that the union heads do. It's often the police officers' associations that are the ones being very blunt and to the point. You saw that in San Francisco. You see it in most of the major cities. And the chiefs just sit there 
and they either go along with what the mayor and other local leaders are doing or they are quiet about it and they don't do something about it. If you're not willing to stand up for the men and women that are serving under you, don't do the job. Get out. Now, we've seen that where the police chiefs don't even back their own uh, yeah. their own force. It's it's and, and I understand in there, you know, the, you had them talking about the contract negotiations, not that you police unions or any government union won't use that and haven't used that. But that's not what's going on. That's here. not what's going on here at all. My dad was a police chief on a large Air Force base, and it is a different setting than non Air Force base police officers. But it did have you have to be diplomatic. He knew that. Ultimately, his boss was the wing commander. Well, I guess ultimately his boss was the president, but locally, the wing commander. There are things that you have to be diplomatic about. We understand that. That's what the job entails. Because you also have to be a, a, a quite often a spokesperson, uh, not just the public information officer, but but you've got to do their job. You've got to you've got to manage those people, and I'm not saying it's an easy job. But when you throw them under the proverbial bus by going along with this mentality that the left has put into place, then you have no, absolutely no place in that role. You should be gone. You should go do something else. If you want to run for office, go run for office. I understand it is at times a political position that you have to be part bureaucrat. I get it. I saw my dad do it a a number of times when I was a kid. And that was just a small sample as I learned of, of how that works. But you also have to understand the spirit of law enforcement and why it's necessary in a nation of laws, and that requires you to not only police your own, which I think they should do, but back your own and the spirit of that enforcement. And it doesn't matter whether you're in a red state if you have a liberal city who decides that the city council decides, we want to destroy our downtown. Yeah. We want to destroy our city. Yeah. It still can happen. Yep. You can be in a red state, the state of Texas, yeah. when when you've had Republicans in embrace maybe not climate change, but the free subsidies of wind and solar. Right. And you see what happens here when there was only one conclusion of of how that will be ironed out in the long yeah. run. And that yeah. will be <laughs> everybody's gonna have to reverse. Because the public is not going to stand for, and you've seen it. What was the article in, uh, was it Sweden the other day, how they've embraced now? They absolutely, Sweden was against nuclear power mm-hmm. 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Now they're embracing nuclear power. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, the rest of the world looks around at it and says, we're going to have to do something. Yeah. And we're still in the, we're still, we know it's coming. The warning. Yeah. The warnings have been there. All the grid, uh, the grid providers have said. We can't do this. Electric vehicles, we yep. know where it's going. Yep. The The automakers have made it clear. We can't do this. We can't make a profit. Government can't be designating what the public, you know, basically saying these are the products that the consumer has to buy. Then, even with subsidies, because the technology isn't ready yet for mass consumption, produce a product 
that the public can't even afford that is less efficient and productive than what they're driving now and think that it's going to be a success when there's only one conclusion to that, and that's massive bankruptcy. Yep. And your taxpayer dollars being flushed down the toilet. There's only one conclusion. We should, that should be our, that that should be a, a I, I guess, a, a segment of the show now, a part of the show. Yeah. There's only one conclusion. Yep. <laughs> to fund the police. There's only one conclusion. It was always going to end this way. Right. Homeless have rights to yeah. stay wherever they want. Right. There's only one conclusion. Right. Legalize all drugs. That's right. And defund the police at the same time. There's only one conclusion to that's, that story. Well, that's it. And, and they've decriminalized everything. Think about it. They've really decriminalized yeah. everything. It's not just the drugs. <laughs> Ask Dick, Dick Sporting no. Goods when, they, when they're telling you, well, we have a shrinking inventory. Stuff's walking out the door, uh, and uh, Trump is going to have to pay a $200,000 I was bail. just going to say that. We were on the same thing. Yeah. I was thinking the other day, no, yeah. no, <laughs> no cash bail, no cash bail, no cash bail, no. But you'll never find them again. They can go anywhere. They won't show up. They'll they'll repeat the crime over and over again. So what? No cash bail, no cash bail, no cash. Trump, $200,000. He could disappear, and you'd never find him again. Yeah. As long as you, if you use the gun in... Uh, in in the commission of a robbery, we won't charge you unless unless you pull the trigger. Yeah, that was actually Alvin Bragg in in, uh, yep. in New York. He floated that idea. Floated that idea. That's how insane there is. And and on that one, there's only one conclusion. Yeah, more armed robberies. Right. Yeah. Uh, Donald Trump. He's a flight mm-hmm. risk. Right. Because yeah. nobody would know it's him. Eight six six ninety red eye. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Hurley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up following the top of uh, the hour, the uh, debate tonight, and where might the candidates go? I do believe there will be attacks. Probably there possibility more attacks on on uh, DeSantis and Trump. Could be, and, yeah. and for a specific reason. Yep, we'll get to that coming up. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. 
John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on, right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.